A reading from the book of Job. Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the deer? Can you number the months that they fulfill? And do you know the time when they give birth? When they crouch to give birth to their offspring and are delivered of their young. Their young ones become strong, they grow up in the open, they go forth and do not return to them. Who has let the wild ass go free? Who has loosed the bonds of the swift ass, to which I have given the steppe for its home, the salt land for its dwelling place? It scorns the tumult of the city. It does not hear the shouts of the driver. It ranges the mountains as its pasture, and it searches after every green thing. Is the wild ox willing to serve you Will it spend the night at your crib? Can you tie it with a furrow and ropes, or will it harrow the valleys after you? Will you depend on it because its strength is great, and will you hand over your labor to it? Do you have faith in it that it will return and bring your grain to the threshing floor? The ostrich's wings flap wildly though its pinions lack plumage, for it leaves its eggs to the earth and lets them be warmed on the ground, forgetting that a foot may crush them and that a wild animal may trample them. It deals cruelly with its young, as if they were not its own. Though its labor should be in vain, yet it has no fear, because God has made it forget wisdom and given it no share in understanding. When it spreads its plumes aloft and laughs at the horse and its rider. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Christ gladly the vanities of this world, that following the way of blessed Francis, we may, for the love of thee, delight in thy whole creation with perfectness of joy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee and the Holy Ghost, one God, forever and ever. Please be seated. Good evening and welcome. Welcome to those of you joining us here in the cathedral. Welcome to you, those of you joining us online. We're so glad to have you here. Uh, for those of we know some of you are joining us from out of town. This is, this is our first time back singing, uh, singing Evensong since the spring. So this is sort of the band's back together Wednesday. So we welcome the cathedral choir. We're so glad to see you all again and so glad to see everyone here this evening. We uh, have a light meal that is offered afterwards. If you wish to join us, you can uh, grab and then go to our classes if you wish. We're beginning Wednesday evening programming this evening. Tonight, Adrian Cook, who is a certified um, Enneagram facilitator, will be leading one of several sessions on the Enneagram. Join us if you're able to, it's gonna be really good. And then next uh, Wednesday is a particularly special evening. We're gonna have a, a community forum with the Reverend Becca Stevens and a number of graduates from Thistle Farms. Becca's also gonna preach at Evensong, so I hope you'll plan to be with us then as well. Once again, welcome. In the midst of a battle in the Guadalcanal campaign, with enemy fire raining down, Sergeant Edward Welsh jumped into no man's land and against all odds, retrieved a wounded soldier and brought him back to safety. His captain saw this act of selfless courage and he yells over the cannon fire to say, Sergeant, 
for what you have done, for that bravery and valor, I am going to recommend you for the Silver Star. Welsh stops him in his tracks. This is a movie, by the way. It's Terence Malik's The Thin Red Line, and Welsh is played by Sean Penn. He responds with what would generally be considered heresy when we think about the Second World War. But he says this, don't you dare open your mouth again, Captain. Property, he said. This whole damn thing is about property. There's a lot of lines from that movie that stick out in my mind, but that one really does. And it often comes back to me today when we are celebrating, observing, singing about St. Francis. And I know that's a bit of heresy as well. Because that's not the Francis that we know. That is not the Francis that we typically talk about, right? He loved animals. He loved nature. Uh, brother Moon, sister, brother Sun, sister Moon, make me a channel of your peace. Let's all hug it out. Francis is the all-star, right? The goat, the greatest of all time, of our saints. Lesser feasts and fast writes of all the saints. Francis is perhaps the most popular and admired, but probably the least imitated. Few have attained his total identification with poverty and the suffering of Christ. To tell the deeper story of Francis, we have to look back at his history to see just how much we have attempted to domesticate this, this wild man. Andy, there would be a line there that connected to the wild thing you talked about in your sermon, in your, in your reading. Francis lived during a very violent time, a time of great social and economic change. The feudal agrarian economy was giving way to something new, a mercantile economy where Italian bankers financed a trade in goods, especially very fine textiles. And that was the family fortune that Francis came into. His father, Pietro de Bernardone, was an Italian cloth merchant at a time when clothes made the man and money was flowing for those who had it and it was worse off than ever for those who did not. Francis was loaded. Francis, in fact, had a crew, he, a crew that he traveled with, and every night, Francis and his boys would um, have a fine dinner, have a whole lot to drink, and then, according to legend, commit all kinds of debauchery. Not the Francis we think about, right? Francis would, of course, at the end of the night, who picked up the bill? <coughs> Francis. This was like Entourage, if you know that show. But of course, after a year in a dark prison, when Assisi went to war with a neighbor city-state, Francis changed. He spent a year in a dark prison, a time of great trauma, quite frankly. And then, once out, he found a nearby church, and he settled into it for, for days, where he just slept, and he prayed. And he came to a new realization, and suddenly all of his ways didn't make sense anymore. And so he, he renounced his family wealth. He threw off his clothes. He renounced his father, and he declared that God was his father. 
And soon after that, he found a colony of beggar, a, a colony of lepers. And when he did, there, those who had nothing, those who were quite literally the untouchables, Francis embraced them. He embraced them. And he saw in those, those folks who had been cast aside, he saw in those folks who literally just had nothing, still had, still had the embrace of God's ravishing love. And Francis saw something in that. And he followed it. And he didn't just take on poverty as an ascetic practice. He fell in love with it. And out of gratitude for, and, and with the total gratitude of it, with the sheer reliance on God's goodness and mercy. But there was a sharper edge here that we don't talk as much about. We know that he loved poverty. We know that he loved nature. We know that he loved animals. And by the way, blessing the animals, 9 o'clock this coming, uh, this coming, uh, what day we, What day do we do church? Sunday? Thank you. Yeah, it's warm. It's getting in my head. But there was something sharper to what Francis was saying. He gave everything up. He required his followers to give everything up, but that was not just so that they could share in the sufferings of Christ. That was not just for the freedom that releasing your worldly goods would give, though that was an essential part of Francis's movement. Francis believed, I'll get myself into trouble now, Francis believed that property was in fact sinful. I think he knew what he was talking about, right? He knew what it was like to have property. He knew where it led us, but he said property, by creating envy and conflict, was one of the most destructive things to peace in this world. Having property, he believed, meant having arms for its defense. Which the minute I heard that, I thought I suddenly thought about all the wars of human history. I thought about all the violence that affects us in one way or another. Was Francis not onto something profound that we forget just a little bit when we just make this about dogs and cats and snakes and sloths and whatever animal shows up? It's about as radical an idea as we can imagine. It's heretical even. But let's think about Sergeant Welch in the midst of that battle, who saw all the death and destruction and said, this is what this is about. Francis believed that property and wealth and status and violence were bound up together. He believed, though, that poverty and solidarity with Christ and with our neighbor, with choosing gratitude as a pathway, as the pathway to freedom, was the antidote. He did believe that the natural world was a gift from God and that animals were expressions of the infinite love of our Creator. He believed all of these things and he held them together through his own suffering but also through his joy with a smile that reflected a deep and unshakable love for all that God had created. Francis had had it all. Wealth beyond imagination, friends, but he walked away. Not to reform the church or even the world, not to establish a new order, but to become free. Free to love, 
free to be loved, to refine down to the goodness and mercy of God so that he could bask in gratitude for everything, everything that God had created.
Lord Jesus, stay with us, for evening is at hand and the day is past. Be our companion in the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope that we may know you as you are revealed in scripture and the breaking of bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. Amen. Together, let us say prayer five, found on page three in your servant's bulletin. Bring us, O Lord God, at our last awakening into the house and gate of heaven, to enter into that gate and dwell in that house, where there shall be no darkness or dazzling, but one equal light, no noise or silence, but one equal music. No fears nor hopes, but one equal possession. No ends nor beginnings, but one equal eternity. In the habitations of thy glory and dominion, world without end. and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of God's Son, Jesus Christ, and the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you 